0: Welcome to Wednesday morning chapel, how are you? Well, you look well. Some of you look weller than, well never mind. I'm glad you're here. Um, we're going to sing songs of praise. Uh, Prof. Jan Deuces is going to minister the word and all of us, I hope, are a little further along in our relationships with Christ this morning by the time we're through. That's the point. That's the intention. So, uh, stand, let's sing.
1: his power we trust in his love great is the lord he is faithful and true by his mercy he proves he is love. He proves his love Great are you, Lord, and worthy of glory Great are you, Lord, and worthy of praise Great are you, Lord, I lift up my voice I lift up my voice
2: invite you, if you would like to, to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 27, 14. Wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart, and wait for the Lord. The theme of my message is, Waiting on God. Let us pray. Lord, I am so glad this morning that even though the waiting gets long and gets hard and difficult, that we are always within the palm of your hand and we are assured that you will come through, not always in the way we would expect, Lord, but yet you are faithful and you are good and you do what is best. Teach us patience. Teach us the lesson that the psalmist proclaims today of waiting on you. For it's in the strong name of Jesus we pray. Amen. In a department store, a little boy stood very still at the bottom of an escalator, his eyes fixed on the moving handrail. A clerk noticed him and came over to him and said, little boy, are you lost? And he said, nope, I'm waiting for my chewing gum to come back. (laughs) How about you? What have you been waiting for? You know, I could be talking to someone today who says, you know, this waiting thing has become very, very tough because I have been waiting for God to come through. I've been waiting for His intervention, and it just kind of seems like it's a long time coming. Or I could be talking to someone today who is saying, well, I'm just waiting for His direction. I'm waiting for more clarification and guidance in my life. And it really is getting very, very long and difficult. Well, I want to say to you this morning that I believe that Psalm 27 speaks with great encouragement, optimism, hope, and even instruction to every person who is waiting on God. King David, whom we believe God inspired to write this psalm, I believe was writing from his own experience, and he was one who knew the frustration that goes along with waiting on God. We won't go into a long biography about David, just suffice to say that If you stop and think about it, you you realize that he became king after having been anointed twice, first as a child, later as an adult, and waited a good portion of his adult life before he saw the complete fulfillment of God's promise to him to be king. And I believe again that Psalm 27 speaks to us, and I'd like for us to look throughout Psalm 27 together, because I think it speaks to us about what I would call three major things that set the stage for David to be able to say or to conclude what he does in verse 14. And I believe that they are also some things of, that are very, very important for us to remember of how important it is and how to live within God's timetable. You see, learning to live within God's timetable is crucial to live as a Christian. If we don't, we can become discouraged, losing our joy in serving Christ. If we don't learn to live within God's timetable, disobedience can set in, for we can get into the tendency of running ahead of God. When we don't learn to live within God's timetable, we can lose our way spiritually by becoming sidetracked. We can be hindered in our growth as Christians as the ability to wait is a part of Christian maturity. The first major thing then that I see in this scripture that is required if we are going to learn to live within God's timetable is the fact that it is important to remember that God's concept of time is not the same as ours. This is David's experience with God, as we've just noted, and I believe this also reflects what the people of Israel had to learn. You know, we want things now. We are oriented to getting things as quickly as possible. But you know, we need to be reminded and to understand that the way we most often view time is our invention and not God's creation. Now it's true that God has given us a certain amount of dominion over time just like he has in other aspects of life in this world. And it's not wrong for us to want to desire to want things done quickly and efficiently. Uh, This technological world, in part, would not be possible if we weren't concerned with time. Capitalism made great strides at the time of the invention of the mechanical clock. The mechanical clock was invented in the 13th century, and this meant that for the first time, minutes and hours could be regulated with precision. This made possible regular production, working hours, and a standardized product. As good Christians, and good stewards, we often realize that the more things we can do in less time, the more things we can do for our benefit, for the benefit of others, and the benefit of God's kingdom. But even with all of this being true, God would have us to be mindful of the fact that there are times when God chooses to work outside of, in spite of, or away from our idea of time. Mindfulness that God's concept of time is not the same as our own, I believe is the reason why David could come to the conclusion in verse 14, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. But the second major thing that I believe that is required to live within God's timetable, I see in beginning in verse one of Psalm 27. Because what I see here, this second major thing, again as I've said that is required to live in God's timetable is confidence in God's character. Let's look at how that's reflected in the psalm. Chapter 27 verse 1 says, "The Lord is my light and my salvation; whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life; of whom shall I be afraid?" God is de- described as light as a rescuing saving God he is described as a stronghold David is saying you know what this is who God is this is his character and this is the God who even when it doesn't appear that he is in control is still in control at whatever given time you name and he talks about one of those times moving on to verse 2 when evil men advanced against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Threatening circumstances he mentions in verse 2. Brought on by threatening people. And he says in this instance that he has hope that they will not succeed. And this hope is not just simply a vengeful type of wish. Instead, it is a statement of what David knows is guaranteed by the very character of God he knows who God is and then he says in verse three something even more drastic how about a whole army advancing against me how about even a whole war he says even then I will not fear he says I will be confident And this confidence, again, is picked up and stated directly, again, in verse 13, after this confidence continues to weave itself through the chapter. For in verse 13, he says, I am confident of this, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You see, David continued to choose to see a God no matter what the circumstances, as one who is reliable and trustworthy. This is David's prevailing attitude. He says in God's time, God will bring about again the good because he is a good God. And a trust in God is maintained. The point though that I think that is so important to see here, however, is that circumstances did not alter how he viewed God. Rather, his view of God altered his view of his circumstances. Having to wait did not alter how he viewed God. Rather, his view of God enabled him to wait. So not only living within God's timetable do we need to understand that God has a different concept of time than our own. Not not only does it require confidence in God's character, but living within God's timetable also requires that we abide in God's presence. Let's look together at verse 4 abiding in God's presence gives us the right view of things and I think in verse four through six this is part of what you see of what is going on what he is able to affirm in four through six has to do with his perspective because of his relationship with God look at what he says in verse four one thing I ask of what do I ask that I things work out No. what does he say that he asks for here one thing I ask this is what I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all of the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. Now with this kind of orientation, of living and abiding in God's presence, this allows us to wait without the wrong kind of worry. You see, all of us who are waiting on God, we have anxious and desperate thoughts. But the point is, when we keep in contact with God, At this level of abiding in Him, it helps to keep us from jumping ahead and giving in to despair. And when we abide in God in this way, verse five then and six unfolds naturally. For in the day of trouble, because I dwell with Him, because I know him. I have this perspective. I can live with him in his timetable. I know in the day of trouble he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle. He will set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. In his tabernacle will I sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord." But then also in abiding in God's presence, we we kind of see that that we move on then to verse 7 where we begin to see that there's confidence within humility. David reflects a humble attitude in verses 7 through 12 because we see that in these verses that David recognizes that he's also not in control. God is in control in all things in his life. He realizes when he is feeling the most vulnerable and the most humble here. And this includes the timing in his life. This can be, of course, a very, very difficult and frightening time in our lives when we feel the most vulnerable, when we feel like things are stacked against us, and we see this, again, beginning in verse 7, where the mood changes. Here in verse 7, he is saying, I know I'm not in control. In fact, my voice might not even be heard. Read with me verse 7. Hear my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful and answer to me, and answer me. In verses 8 through 9, he says, well, I know, I'm concerned I might not even be seeing God's face. I may not even be able to to have that presence that I so much crave. Verses 8 and 9, he says, my heart says of you, seek his face, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, O God, my Savior. And then down to verse 10 and 11, we see that he might even lose his security. The kind of security that parents represent, but again, he is dependent on, on God. He says in verse 10, though my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, O Lord. Leave me a straight path because of my oppressors. And then in verse 12, there's even his greatest fear, and that is that he might be actually at the mercy of his enemies. Again, an incredible, humble spot in which to be, an incredibly vulnerable spot. He says in verse 12, Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, breathing out violence. You know, waiting does require humility. Waiting would be difficult for a king. You know, but waiting helps to develop humility. And even though it's confident humility, humility has to do with having a proper self-appraisal of realizing who we really are. And waiting does that. Because in American society, there's a direct correlation between status and waiting. The higher your status, the less you wait. First class passengers don't wait as long as the other class passengers. In fact, I read a story about a busy CEO who was so miffed about waiting at a doctor's office that he actually calculated the billable hours and charged the doctor for his time. But this attitude is not the same as the great king, who as a man after God's own heart, says again in verse 13, I am confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living." When we live within God's timetable, in trust, in confident humility, we find verse 14 to be a statement of hopeful waiting. You see, within the Christian faith, we understand that hope is not the lowest degree of confidence. You know, day in and day out speech. Oh, I hope this will happen. That's the lowest degree of confidence. But for the Christian, hope is the highest degree of confidence. And it is, we come down to verse 14 and we see the waiting and we see that in context of David's life and his attitude of knowing who God is, of abiding in God's presence and knowing that God's timetable is different than the timetable that we often have, David comes to understand and to state that it's a waiting of anticipation. It is a waiting of a trustful heart. So again, we have the conclusion and the promise that we can take with us today. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and take heart and wait for the Lord.
0: I want us to sing a setting of that song and I thought you might know it but I'm not sure you do so let me sing through one time. So be strong and
1: take courage do not fear this
0: know that's what i thought so be strong
1: and take Be strong and take courage. Do not fear or be dismayed, for the Lord.